0: Welcome everyone to
1: another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome, one and all. Great to be here. Good awesome, be here, awesome. David. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke chapter two, verses 41 through 52. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us to see how the Lord wants to speak to us today to help us change, change our lives?
2: Amen. Let's uh let's start with Beautiful prayer that's on the back of our uh, our prayer books. Uh, the past is in God's mercy. To go there only causes despair. The future is in God's providence. To go there causes you to play God. The present is God's gift to be lived in love. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the present moment. Thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for the gift of of loving us so much that you became one of us. You became one of us. One of us, the Word made flesh. Thank you, Lord. And as we break open your Word, please... Help it to guide us, help us to have just a, a, a living, breathing, dynamic relationship with your word that uh, that we can carry into every aspect of our lives, uh, especially into our praying the mass. So as we prepare for this Sunday's mass, uh, Lord, please help us and guide us closer to you on our journey. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The name the Father, Father, Son, and the Son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.
3: And Tom, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love today? Sure, David. The reading is from the Gospel according to Luke, again, chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the festival custom. After they completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day, and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, "'Son, why have you done this to us?' Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and man. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ.
2: Now, uh, guys, we're uh, we're all dads here. Uh, man, just imagine. I and mean, it says it here with great anxiety. You know, imagine uh, how they felt. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever lost one of your kids for even a moment on the beach or in, a, in an amusement park or somewhere crowded in a mall. Uh, I mean, it's that that stomach dropping feeling when you don't know where one of your one of your kids are. It's just I, so I just can't imagine three days of this, and uh, and then Jesus was like, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm in my father's house, right? I'm doing doing my uh, you know doing my father's will." Uh, but what did he do? He went home, right? He was obedient, and it didn't say. He advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and then was obedient. He was obedient and then advanced in wisdom and in favor and age before God and man. So, you know, this is just so many messages here, but just that word obedient and David, I know you and I kick this around a lot about trading obedient or trading opinion for obedience, right? Look at this. So the only thing we know about Jesus from twelve to when he came on the scene at thirty for his baptism. For those 18 years, he was obedient.
1: Obedient. Obedient. Wow. And I, when I, I was reading and listening to this being read, I, was, I circled the part about the parents did not know it. And for me, I want to make sure every day, because I always bring the scriptures forward to today and say, how are you speaking to me today, Lord? And what am I to get from this? Well, I want to make sure that Jesus is with me at the beginning of each day, inviting him along in that prayerful time with him in the morning before I start my journey for the day? Because it says right here, they journeyed a day and then realized he wasn't with them. Well, how many times have we started our day not making sure Jesus was with us, not inviting him along for the journey, and we uh, get out there to our busy agendas, or we go Zooming, and we're like, whoa, I'm beat, I'm wore out, I'm oh my goodness, I forgot to invite Jesus along. <laughs> so for me, this is a, it's a learning lesson as I always reflect on this scripture. I want to make sure every day that Jesus is with me, that I invite him along on the journey. And I always do that by our little Stewardship and Mission of Faith prayer booklet where I invite Jesus to live in me, with me, and through me this day. I invite the Holy Spirit to light our path. And then I ask the Father to join with us on this great adventure, which he created me for. So that morning prayer, which I encourage everybody to pray, you can get stewardship, permission of faith, prayer books, and is, is a way for me to ask God, ask Jesus, ask the Father, ask the Holy Spirit to join with me on this journey. So for me, whew, I want to make sure he's with me. I don't want to do it on my own. And then you know what? If I can't find him, what did he do? What did they do? Back to the temple. For me, that's going to church. Go back to church. Jesus is present in every tabernacle, in every Catholic church, everywhere in the world, and especially at adoration when he's exposed in the Eucharist and the monstrance. My goodness, go and sit with him and just be amazed at the understanding and astounded at the wisdom that you'll learn as you you take time and you sit with him and you seek him out. He's there. He's there at every daily mass. He's there at every Eucharistic adoration. Go sit with the Lord. He did it. Sit with the Lord and listen from the teacher. The teacher.
3: And um, as I read this second paragraph here, or reflect on, it, I should say, um, I, I'm, I'm wondering why um, Jesus's parents were astonished. Uh, specifically that word like they were astonished because they saw him there that he you know that he had remained behind I remember when I was a young child you know I'm a cradle Catholic so I've been going to mass since I'm probably four or five years old and how many times I've heard this I don't know but I remember as a child kind of siding with Jesus on this thing it's like well yeah, didn't you know? I mean, you knew I was the son of God, right? I mean, I was I was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You knew that, mom, right? You know, and where did you think I would be? Like where where else were they looking for that time? Did they look like at the in the market? Did they look um, probably they visited relatives, friends, people where they, you know, where he might have been. Because the other thing, too, that you come to understand is as you grow grow older and study the scriptures more is that this is a very communal thing. People travel together. They could, you know, be caravans and donkeys and things. And and so, you know, he could have been with anybody. He could have been left behind. So, you know, but the thing that that, that always kind of hit me was if if you were Mary and Joseph and you lost Jesus why didn't you why didn't you think i mean when i was a child it was kind of obvious to me like why wouldn't you go to the temple first be why would you check with all the relatives first why, where would he be you know where would i be so um but now i have to say when i was a parent i kind of sided more with mary and joseph you know cuz yeah when you if you lose a child i never did but i can just imagine what it was like uh, but the other thing that kind of jumped out at me was this, this passage, his mother kept all these things in her heart. As sometimes translated, she pondered these things. And that's, you know, she turned, or I remember there was an older translation, she turned these things over in her heart. She kind of let them s- soak in for her to understand. Because again, I think at some level she knew who who this was. And she knew that although she was his mother and she was responsible for him, that this was her God, also. This was, you know, for her to ponder that God would do this and in, and involve her at this level of mystery, must have been just, you know, what would you think if you were if you were the mother of God? There, you know, how would how would you? you know, all you can do is ponder it and just reflect on the mystery that God would would do this, as they as they used to say in the old tradition of the Catholic Church, that God would condescend. To, be com- to come among us, that he would, you know, and use me as the mother of God as a vessel for them. Well, and, and again, this goes back to what I just shared. What you
1: just shared, Tom, is another reaffirmation of that. You know, Jesus is saying, why were you looking for me? And then here's the real punchline. Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? As Catholics, did you hear Jesus just speak to you? He's telling you. He must be in his father's house. His father's house here on earth is every Catholic church, every tabernacle. He is there waiting for you. If you want to find Jesus, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that's where he is? That's where he is. Uh, To me, that's speaking right to my heart. He's there. Go. Just walk into the church if it's open. Sit. Go to adoration. Go to daily mass. Experience the Lord. He's there. He's telling us that right here in Scripture. And then I love this part um, about why did they use the years 12 years old? And, you know, we in the Catholic Church, and the understanding, we understand that to us is this age of, uh, you know— um, understanding that we've each reached that age of reason. So in the Jewish tradition, they would have bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs when they came to age of reason. So for us in the Catholic Church, we look at this and say, wow, what our parents did for us in baptism, which is shown in the Bible as babies with Mary and Joseph taking Jesus at eight days old and presenting him to do what? To be circumcised, to become a child of God's in the In the covenant sign, which was circumcision, well, that's what we do as Catholics as parents. We take our child, eight days old, recommended, but you know as quickly as we can to be baptized, which is the covenant sign of the New Testament, and so they're baptized. but then we have what's called confirmation, and that comes at the age of reason, which is this reason I believe this twelve years old is here, that we choose to receive this gift that our parents received in proxy for us at baptism and it's the completion of the work done in us in the infilling and the indwelling of the holy spirit i mean that's just powerful to me that it's it's right here our catholic faith the beauty of holy mother church is every one of our beliefs every one of our dogmas every one of our doctrines have their deep roots in the bible In the Word of God. And we as Catholics, we need to get into the Word, to learn the Word, to live the Word, and to be able to answer those questions, and this is right from the Bible, that our brothers and sisters in Christ have that trouble them. You know, why do you do this? Where do you see that in the Bible? We need to know those answers and share those answers with humility. We must share that truth with love. And that's our role. We're meant to to know our faith in our hearts, not just in our heads, and so that we can become those instruments in the healing of the one body of Christ, not obstacles to it. I believe there's a division in the church today because we as Catholics do not know our faith in our heart and live it in our lives. Because when we do, and I'm a perfect example, for 46 years, if I'd have said I was Catholic, people would have went, I don't want to be Catholic. But for the past 11 years, as the Lord has begun a work in me, me which I pray to God he completes, you know, um, and I believe and I trust he will, they now see Christ in me. And they're, I'm an enigma to them. They're like, wait a minute. Weren't you this person that did this stuff? But look at you now. They see Christ. They hear Christ. I'm not perfected yet, but I'm on a daily journey of that constant purgation, that purging of that which is not of God. So that what? So that when Scripture tells us, be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect, be holy as the Heavenly Father is holy, it's a process that God is doing in me so that when they meet me, it's as St. Paul said in his letter to Galatians, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Man, ladies and gentlemen, get on the train, get on the journey, go to daily mass, receive the Eucharist, learn your faith in your heart, live it in your lives, be that instrument of healing of the one body of Christ. That's the new evangelization. And you know the number one area of evangelization that's needed in the U.S.? It's right in the church. Amen. It's right in the church. We need to wake wake up this sleeping giant, wake it up so that they know their faith, live their faith. And they truly are lights to the world.
2: And if I just look at all the things that wasted my time this past couple weeks, and if I truly believe that Jesus is alive in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and I look at the last couple weeks of all the stuff that wasted my time, whether it's just sitting idly or watching TV or whatever, when I could have made the effort to go visit Jesus, who was waiting there for me in, in, in the Eucharist at adoration, and I didn't. Man, we, so I, so when we say, everybody, you know, our family that's listening outside, when we say, wait, you know, wake up, we're talking to ourselves. Absolutely. That, you know, that, that that's, you know, when you said that, David, that was a conviction to me, that um, there's a lot of time. That's the most precious gift we have is the gift of our time. And so many times we're so comfortable and it's warm in our house. And, you know, so just to break free from that comfort, to go out into the cold at night, to go visit Jesus, who's there most likely, you know, with one other person just waiting Waiting, his heart is just beating, saying, "I love you, I love you, I love you." Uh, that's thank you for, for challenging me on that. And, and the other thing I, I'm challenged and, and excited about: and I, have a, I have a daughter who's 14 and a son who's 12. When you look at Jesus at 12, people say, "Well, you know, the youth are the future of the church." But you guys, Tom and David, you guys had an experience a couple weeks ago at one of the high schools where you've been going around visiting with with Bishop Gainer, uh, where you shared a story with me where at this visit a couple weeks ago where you said to them, "You, David, I think it was you, that you exhorted them in their gifts. Absolutely. Right? And yes. So here you have this 12-year-old Jesus and they were astounded at him. Do I give a chance for my 14-year-old daughter and my 12-year-old son to share their gifts? Do I? Do I give them a chance to share their gifts? Um, hear their heart. Because so many times we put, the, we put our kids on the sidelines, but there's a lot of gifts in them and a lot of ideas in them, a lot of questions that like Jesus was questioning, a lot of questions in them that we, we probably don't give them uh, a, a fair shot at at expressing and asking. So uh, I'm, I'm really being challenged here, especially with uh, with my two kids to 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 take the time to listen to their heart, to listen to their heart. And that's
1: huge, Rob, because I can guarantee you in my life's journey, God has used the innocence of my children to teach me life lessons. And I'll never forget when my daughter, my Lynn, we were riding in the car back from college, and she said to me, just out of the blue, Daddy, do you know the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And I'm like, where'd that come from? (laughs) You know, she's just, this is my daughter. I said, no, what's the difference? She said, well, Daddy, knowledge can be taught to you by anybody, but wisdom, that's a gift that only God can give you.
2: Ooh, nice.
1: And I've never ever forgotten that. You want to talk, you know, we're baptized priest, prophet, and king. Well, a prophet is one who speaks God's truth with love. She spoke God's truth with love. Amen. She sure did. So man, I'm telling you, we need to listen. We need to listen. And we need to listen to that still quiet voice in our hearts because scripture commands us be quick to listen, slow to speak, And that's a daily exercise for me, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And that word ponder, what Mary shows us here, everything in her heart, you know what I mean, that she kept them all there, too many times we take it in and we spill it back out. What is transmitted into us, we transmit back out. Hate for hate, anger for anger, jealousy for jealousy. But as Bishop Gaynor shared in a men's conference, which changed my life when I heard him share this, is the word ponder means to take it in, that which was transmitted, and then with God and God's grace, transform it into a response of love. That's it. That's our journey. Mary's our model that's our journey. Transform it into a response of love. Never react. When we react, the enemy's got us on the hook.
3: When we respond with love, we send him away screaming. Yeah, as uh, <clears throat> my daughters were uh, growing up, um, I wasn't a perfect parent, I can tell you that, but and I, I did a few things right. And one of them was, um, when they were younger, was that every we had a rotating schedule, so each Saturday was belonged to one of my daughters so that she could, you know, from the time after mass, we, you know, we go to mass together. And then from that point on until around five or six o'clock in the evening, it was, it was hers. And so I remember, you know, we took a trip to Gettysburg with one of my daughters when she was into the, you know, the civil war Um, with my younger daughter. When she was still little, we'd go to the playground for an hour, an hour and a half, and she, that that was enough for her. She was done because she wanted to go home and color or do something else. So, But the the great thing about it was just being able to be with them. And uh, I couldn't tell you um, a lot about what was discussed or whatever, but I can tell you how I felt. And I, can, I think I can tell you how they felt because you can just tell. That they knew that this was their day. They were special. They were in the car. It was just that, and you know, and and her, and uh, and that's something that I'll I'll always treasure. Um, and then to the point, David, you brought up about Mary keeping these things in her heart or pondering those, these things. Again, when you look at that, these the, that's part of, you know, those experiences I have with my daughter are things that I'll ponder that help me to understand more deeply the relationship that I have with God. You know, Rob, you brought up about Jesus is waiting there for us. I mean, God the Father, we're in his presence all the time, you know. And I remember years ago, I went to a leadership conference. I, I mentioned this um, several times, but uh, when I was a, a 16-year-old in high school, Charlie Tremendous Jones, and I remember him saying you know he was he would talk to people about his faith and they would say, well, what about this and what about this? And he said, well, I don't know, but my father knows everything, you know, and he, he probably knows the answer to that question. I don't know that just yet. But, and then people would talk about, you know, um, uh, what they owned or what they didn't own. And he, and he would, you know, to the point we were talking about earlier about stewardship where everything's a gift from God, he would say, he, he would say everything, that, everything that you see around us is all belongs to my father. You know, kind of, and he would say that jokingly, kind of like, you know, my dad owns all this. You know, this is my dad's. You know, so. But the whole idea that we rest in God and that we can ponder that and reflect on that and our relationship with our children also helps us to appreciate and to ponder the relationship that we have with God. And we take that in. We take in the human uh, experience of it, and we ponder it. And that what comes out hopefully will be more of God. You know, it will be transformed the way, as you said, David. It'll be more of what, of what God the Father is like with us, and help us to more deeply appreciate that everything that we have, we rest in His palms, we rest in His in His lap. You know, we're His we're His kids. You know, yeah. And I think as you were sharing, Tom, I, I circled the word three days.
1: It's not an accident that was three days. It says after three days. Because for me, Mary experienced three days without Jesus again in her life. This was merely a foretaste of what was to come. And what's said here, Jesus says, you know, they, they looked with great anxiety. The Lord doesn't want us to have anxiety. He wants us to trust him. So I believe what he's saying to us, you know, what he was saying to Mary is don't have anxiety when you can't find me when I've been, you know, crucified and put in the tomb. Because then where did she find him? she found him in the temple in his father's house. And where's his father's house today? It's the Catholic church. It's in the, temple, it's in the tabernacle in every Catholic church. There's no accident that this is three days, and it's a prefigurement of what's going to happen. But it's also telling us where Jesus will be, because Jesus said the words, I will be with you always. Well, how's he with us always? He's with us always, fully present in the Eucharist, every day, in every Catholic church, all over the world. So again, this, these beautiful truths, as we keep plumbing the depths of Scripture, God just keeps opening them up deeper and deeper and deeper. So for me, as you were sharing earlier, Rob, prepare your heart, the manger of your heart, to receive the baby Jesus. Accept God's invitation. It's never too late. It's never too late. And how do we do that? How do we prepare our hearts? Ladies and gentlemen listening today, the great gift that the Lord has given us in the priesthood and the sacrament of reconciliation, don't do what Adam did. God asked Adam the question, just as he's asking each and every one of you, where are you? And what that was was an invitation to repent. Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. He gave his life. He took the punishment. So he's asking you today, here and now, where are you? You can choose to do what Adam did. He hid in fear. Do you hide in fear and don't go to confession because you're afraid of what God will do if he knew what you did? Well, guess what? He knows what you did. He sent his son to pay the price. He wants to set you free. There's nothing that's going to shock him. And the gift of the priesthood and the charism he's given the priest to not remember what you've confessed, that's a gift among gifts. So don't do like Adam or Eve and hide in fear. And then, oh my goodness, don't do the next thing with Adam and Eve and blame circumstances, the other person. Don't do that. And then don't justify your sin and blame God. God is inviting each and every one of you to repent and believe. Metanoia, turn away from your sins. Jesus, when he sets you free, says, sin no more sin no more. How do we do that? By keeping clean, by going back to confession, by asking God to you know, look at our souls through the gift of the Holy Spirit every day and ask for forgiveness. And then every week, two weeks, three weeks, go to the sacrament of reconciliation and be set free. Jesus Christ paid the price, received the gift, open it, and have the life in abundance that He wants you to have. That's the message of the scriptures today. That's the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, because God wants to flow His love in you, with you, and through you into this world so that you're a light to others that lead to Him. May God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day, and let's get out there one more for Jesus. God bless.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection groups or how to start a Gospel Reflection group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us